This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. And remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Um, because, you know, guess what? We do not hide greatness on this show, and we're not going to allow you to do that either. So guess what? You got to go ahead and do it and spread the word about what's going on on ATL Day 1s. But speaking of what's going on, today we have on the show, at one point, T, I started to get that feeling in my stomach. And I think the, I want to thank the Falcons for getting rid of it um, towards the end of the game. And I think the Falcons have finally found an identity. And last but not least, and for the culture, T, what would it take for the Atlanta Hawks to be legitimate Eastern Conference contenders in the NBA? Uh, we'll talk about all that. But first, T, we have to talk about no Atlanta professional sports PTSD. The Falcons get the dub 27-23, to but I don't know about you, but in the fourth quarter when they were driving, they just got the ball, you know, Avery Williams, you know, did what he could do. Um, receiving the punt, and they had horrible field position. They get out of it. They're driving. They get across the 50-yard line. They get the delay a game and drones and stuff flying all over the place. And then they resume play. And then Marcus Mariota fumbles the football. And people try to blame on Tyler Algier. I don't want to hear that crap. You know, Marcus Mariota said my bad about that again. You know, we'll talk about that in a little deep dive. But I think once – the defense hit the field tee. I think the, the thing that just made me happy was the guy that the Falcons paid, that they wanted to stick around, they didn't want to go into his last year's contract without getting new money. Grady, Jared comes up big, gets the sack, and do, they make Geno Smith look like Geno Smith. That made me yeah. happy, T. <laughs> yeah, and it was so good because along the game – the progression of the game, as well as the progression of this season, I feel like we've seen what we thought we were going to see in Grady Jarrett. Last year was the first year under Dean P, so I never, ever thought that that was him regressing to the mean. I always thought that was an anomaly. And I think okay. Grady Jarrett is showing us that last season was an anomaly. This season, this is the real 97. And it mm -hmm. may have taken him about three and a half quarters to get out of those stinking double teams, but is when he figured it out, oh, he made you pay. And don't get me wrong. You know, when you talk about five tackles and three tackles for loss and four of those yes. tackles were solo, you got a mm -hmm. QB hit and a sack. I mean, dude was doing his thing. But when it counted most, when most Falcons fans were wondering if it was going to happen, by the way, I will promise you I did not panic. I kept saying, okay, Grady, make a play. No, Grady's going to make a play. I promise you I <laughs> yeah. said that. You know, that's been my, that's been my guy. I, I think he's going to be the defensive MVP and he showed why. Last night, he is the heart, the soul, the everything for this team. The heart, the soul, and everything for that defense, for sure. It's a reason why the Falcons decided to keep him around. Now, T, 
One thing that I what well, I'll admit it it looked ugly when the Braves dropped the first two against the Philadelphia Phillies. We got yeah. doggone um, <laughs> you got Ronald Acuna sitting out, and he talking about twisting and turning hurts, and I'm just like, okay. That's a big deal when you talk about a big bopper at the plate, you know, like, yeah, you got to twist and turn in order to hit the ball pretty hard. So, you know, that, that's never a good thing to hear. But thankfully, they end up coming back and getting the last two. Uh, um, the final was eight to seven yesterday and absolute marathon of a game right with the rain delay like a monsoon just came through in the fifth inning and it was just like yeah they're not about to finish this bad boy out but they do get the chance to finish and ronald cunha makes an appearance later in extra innings and he gets on base and and does his thing as well so t whoo it didn't start well but thankfully the braves turned that bad boy around yeah, and, and it was one of those situations where you needed every single run. It was great for Ronald Acuna Everyone. Jr. to have that single in to, to give them the go-ahead run, but let's just be real. The game didn't end 8-6. It ended 8-7. So the yeah. Michael Harris, the second single, was just as important because they ended yes. up needing that insurance at the end of the day. So they got it. Thankfully, one more thing I wanted to just say – and then looking at the series overall, I felt like we saw a better Kenley Jansen. And we, we yes. don't get to say that very often. Yes. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there as well. It was good to see, you know, just a better Kenley Jansen. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it right there. Yeah. I mean, I and, and that's what – because, you know, we've, we've brought, done it on this show as well. We've brought up the fact that, hey, Kenley, you need to be better, you know. Um, and, and I think that that's the only thing that, you know, you really – want from a veteran guy because you know we talked about how he his season this season mirrors the uh, will smith season last year mm -hmm. you know yeah. and like we don't know what we're gonna get you know and i think hopefully it continues to mirror you know will smith season because we know what happened when he got yeah, into the postseason yeah. it was absolutely amazing and mm -hmm. and i think that if kenley jansen can do that i think you'll start hearing some of the doubters start to quiet just a little bit um speaking of doubters um this game, uh, that George, the Georgia Bulldogs, the number one team in the country, they played. They end up winning by um, seventeen. The final score was thirty-nine to twenty-two against the Kent State um, Golden Flashes. But T, it didn't look pretty in that first half. <laughs> when you think about what we were expe expectations coming in, you talking about a what's a forty-five points point spread, and I'm sure that whoever doggone would had the gumption to make that bet, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sure they um, made out pretty well. When it comes to you know that final score, only winning Georgia only winning by seventeen points. Right, it was just weird because I just remember thinking, okay, and I granted I didn't get to look at the entire game because right. I was calling a game myself. Right. But yes. the moment that I was able to take a look, I was thinking, okay, are they on the struggle bus? Because in this team that maybe you question the you question the question you just asked last week, which which right. is, are, are they in the 2021 team, right? right. But then I, I thought, or it, and I know Kirby always, he always argues against this, but is this a real mm -hmm. concern about complacency? And I just kept coming right. back to that, right? Because right. execution was an issue on all sides of the ball. Everybody was just out there making some mistakes that you would not expect of a team. There are enough I'm going to call them veterans. There are enough veterans mm -hmm. from that 2021 championship team not to be missing the mark like this. However, 
I know who wasn't on the struggle bus, Brock Bowers. That's the one. He was the shining light from Saturday. He was like, I don't know what else the other men are doing. I don't know what the 11 are doing over here. As for me, yes. about the rock, y'all. As for me in rock, my house, in my rock. As, as for me in my house, we're going to rock y'all today. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you, know, I've, you know, I've mentioned on this show about Stetson Bennett being a Heisman uh, trophy contender. I'm changing that. I, I know, like, yeah, Jarvis, you need to you go with the flow, right? Yeah, I change, like, the weather sometimes when it comes to certain things because I can't deny what I see, T. Right. Brock Bowers need to be the Heisman candidate because look how he's yeah. scoring. You know, he's not only just dominating from running routes and, no. you know, blocking in the run game and catching, you know, beating linebackers and safeties and stuff like that. He's not only beating linebackers and safeties, he's taking the ball from uh, uh, on a jet sweep to the house was it 75 yards he like that is absolutely ridiculous for a guy of his size to do something like that i don't care who you're playing against you can be playing against the children of the poor mary wood and williams and mary like i don't care like when when you a guy like that with that type of size you know and take the take the rock to the house that is absolutely amazing when you look at some of the things that you know he's able to do so yeah a hashtag Brock Bowers for Heisman, like, like yeah, that's the, that's the type of stuff. That's the type of different stuff mm-hmm. that you know he has to do coming from that position because we know the Heisman voters always favor quarterbacks, wide receivers, mm-hmm. and running backs, mostly quarterbacks. Yeah. And I think that for him to be able to take the ball, taking handoffs and taking them to the house, that's definitely going to get some of those voters' attention. Now, speaking of, <clears throat> it might be some unwanted attention by over there in the flats. The, um, it is official. Uh, Todd Stansberry and Jeff yeah. Collins are out, have been relieved of their duties. We've talked about this. We said it wasn't a matter of if they get fired. It was a matter of when they get fired. And, T, it is official. And I think one of the things that was the, the killer for Todd, Todd Stansberry, I had no, you know, um, that was the killer for Todd Stansberry is the fact that after last season when mm-hmm. – People were clamoring for him to just go ahead and make the move and figure yeah. it out later. Mm-hmm. He stood by him and said, this is, quote, my guy. And yep. when you align yourself with something like that, mm-hmm. I think that that's when you signed your, signed your pink slip. He literally signed his pink slip when he aligned himself with Jeff Collins and, and believed what the snake oil salesman was selling. Yeah. And he did it again, and he put himself in a bad situation. Totally, totally. And you think about the fact that there's, and not just him, mm-hmm. but think about other moves that were right. made or, or not made in Todd Stansberry's tenure. And yes, last year was a better year, if not the best year for Josh Pastner. Right. However, Ooh, there have been, cool. yeah, see, there that's have been some one. situations with him too. And Georgia Tech's real bread and butter, if we're being honest about it, has always yep. been basketball. Yes. So for you not to have either one of those keys to your program, your bread and butter, and then the bread and butter of the South, which is the college football, none of those working for you. I mean, no, you you got to go to. And listen, it was so funny because this morning we hear the meeting of the minds at Georgia Tech. I was like, no, it's the meeting of the money. The money. It's the, minds, it's the meeting of the money. How much now, y'all got? Exactly. <laughs> how much y'all got for Dion? Right. <laughs> I mean, how much money you got? Like, how much can we spend? Like, how much do we have to pay him out? We got Dan Mullen. We got Dan Mullen money or what? Like, what we got? (laughs) Right. So you're telling me donors, you're telling me supporters that we have enough money to pay out Todd, 
Jeff and get a new coach. Oh, okay, let's do it. And that yeah. conversation started and ended right there. Yeah, I, th- I think that was a pretty quick conversation because you know what you're getting yourself to into. I think because you know we know what Jeff Collins is about ten and a half mil left on his contract over the next three years. So hey, it was already in the budget. So hey, yeah, you're just going more than likely to have to pay all of that out because Ty Stanberry for some reason gave him a seven year guaranteed contract. Who knew? Ooh, okay, all right. Um, that's a do you player. Uh, but I, I think that you know. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on as to what comes out in the ne- over the next couple of days as far as with what's going on in the flats with Georgia Tech. Because, hey, they are part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta coverage. We make sure we do that for you each and every day, Monday through Friday. But, T, coming up next, though, whoo, we got we to gotta dig a little deeper into this Falcons-Seahawks uh, matchup. They get their first win of the season. We'll talk about all of that. And maybe did the Falcons establish an identity? Woo, before we do that, though, we have to talk about betonline.net. If you're trying to wonder whether or not that spread has changed, because, you know, Georgia Tech will be taking on Pitt. Yes. You know that? I had to go check it out because I was like, okay, you fire your athletic director, you fire your head coach. What is that point spread looking like? Y'all know what it looks like? Pitt is favored by 24 points. So, yeah, uh, if you're trying to get a little money and you're trying to figure out which way you should go, go to betonline.net because they have all the information that you need. And also, guess what? They, You know how you guys listen to us on the podcast platform? Wherever you get them, you can listen to them on the podcast as well. They have all the information you need. And if you're not into college football, they got all of this, the side sports as well. Yeah, that's my turn. The side sports, you know, the esports, the golf, you know, the NHL uh, and the NBA, you know, that's coming up as well. So all of those things they have for you at betonline.net. So make sure you head there today or use your mobile device so you learn more about the action happening today. Because guess what, y'all? Tell you on a little secret. BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra, that is Jarvis, and you guys are the ones who keep this show rolling because you go everywhere and you download our podcast and then you leave us five-star reviews and then you go subscribe on YouTube and get us almost to 4,000 subscribers across the Locked On Sports Network here in Atlanta. So we appreciate you guys for rocking with us and just staying the course and also keeping it pushing. Don't forget, Leave us some comments from time to time, and we will talk about them on air, especially this week. I know you guys have thoughts. I know you got commentary about the Falcons, as you should, because the Falcons finally got the first dub of the season, 27-23 over the Seahawks. And listen, we on this show, we want to give the flowers when we can, right? So, yes, we're going to be happy about what the Falcons were able to do to keep you guys from not having sports PTSD. And hopefully we'll be able to see that that's something that continues as far as the progress, because we've talked about it before, Jarvis. It's so interesting when you look at the Falcons, right? And you say to yourself, oh gosh, this defense looks leaky or the offense looks shaky or, oh man, young way who actually missed a field goal. And then you think about this. Yesterday was what you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. It was a close out like no other from the defense. Come through, defense, come through. And they did that. We talked about Grady in the first segment and how critical it was, the plays that he made 
leading up to that critical sack, right? The, the sack right. that really made all the difference. But also somebody who we've all whom we've all been waiting to wake up, Richie Grant. He did his thing too. He made sure that that ball, he made sure it was a wrap wrap with a one, I mean, just a timely interception. It was almost like he was telegraphing it. Like, I'm just going to sit here and wait and wait yeah. and wait. And here's the ball. So I love it for him. Yeah. First I, interception. I yes. Go. Yes. Yes. Good job. You know, um, RG, I think that's one of the things that, you know, you really can appreciate because he took mm -hmm. a lot of flack. And yeah. I said, you know, when Richie Grant was drafted by the Falcons, I was like, this dude is a ball player. Yeah. I think he's going to be a ball player. And I think that, you know, when you get off to a rough start, you play mm -hmm. a position that you ne really hasn't ne necessary to play or what you was drafted to do. And the nickel last year, he, he struggled, mm -hmm. but he figured it out, right? He, he was able to figure it out and he was able to figure out this defense too. Mm -hmm. And to see him, all those things kind of get, thrown into a pot and now you're starting to see some of the 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 good consequences from that mm -hmm. right from that first yeah. year experience and I think that it's just good to see him do that and he is a guy who I've said I've mm -hmm. said it and I say it again he he's a guy that will take the ball away and I thought it was funny as he talked about after the game how he during talking about that particular play and when he picked it off, he was, mm -hmm. you know, he was getting ready to try and take it to the house because <laughs> he that's, they were like, man, I'm about to go. And then you right. just see, uh, you see Hawk running right by him like, nah, man, get your butt right. down. Like, get down, get down. Like, the game yeah. is over, bro. Like, let's get up out of here. Let's get this yeah. dub and get out of here. And I think that was, that was a cool thing to see, too. You know, from Hawkins' standpoint, mm -hmm. hey, like, hey, now nah, we don't want to, we don't want to do anything to, to not get this dub. And but I love the fact that Richie Grant said, "Hey, man, I'm a competitor. I want to take yes. the bad butt to the house. I want to score. Mm -hmm. I love it." You know, when this Falcons defense, we're talking about forcing a turnover in all mm -hmm. three games they played in this year. No. T, yeah. this is something that is a great building block to mm -hmm. continue to stack good games. Yeah, and I love the fact that the turnover ratio is that that's a critical piece that sometimes yes. we don't talk about a lot. Maybe sometimes we focus a little bit too much on the sacks, except right. I know I always say just bring pressure because you right. keep bringing pressure and you're going to eventually for, force a turnover, even if you never get the sack. And I just Indeed. believe those uh, the Falcons defense kept almost getting home, almost getting home the whole game, just enough to lead up to what we saw in the waning minutes of that game. So that was just wonderful to see. And even to see Lorenzo Carter, I mean, look, that's what they can't, that's what they brought him here to do. Yeah. He did what he's starting to show why they brought him here. It, it was just good to see that as well. Now on offense, I would say without question, you have got to applaud Cordero Patterson. I mean, 141 yards Gee. on just 17 carries. Like, I mean, he's a beast. He was dang near averaging a first down a pop, right? Yes. Like, and out here, we know what that is. What in the, what, what happened? <laughs> And and I'm sure that that's the the number right between 15 and 17 carries. Yeah. I know they don't want to get it to that 20 carry, um, right. um, you know, uh, situation. I and I know that's why you saw Tyler Algier still. Yeah. You know, he was he wasn't as, obviously wasn't as productive as Patterson, but right. you're starting to see him kind of get figured figure things out and start mm -hmm. learning his way as you know in his rookie year as a as a running back in the NFL. So, but Cordero Patterson. 
was the guy. It seemed mm-hmm. like when he broke that 40 yard run off T, I was just like, this dude is just that when you saw the burst, you understand yeah. why um Cordero Patterson didn't play in hardly any hit in the preseason. You like you un, you get it. You understand the plan. I, I love seeing mm-hmm. coaches' vision come to fruition. Yes. This is what Arthur Smith envisioned for this team. Giving the rock to uh Cordero Patterson between 15 and 18 carries, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, and him breaking that bad boy off and to close out the game at, towards the end. You know, we get those two first down runs and Mm -hmm. you just look at it like, okay, this is what Arthur Smith wants right here. And and also give Kobe Gossett its credit because Mm -hmm. when I found out Elijah Wilkinson later on Friday after we had done the show that he will not play, I got super concerned because Wilkinson Mm -hmm. has been playing really well. And I got to give some kudos to uh, Chris Lindstrom Mm -hmm. and Kayla McGarry as well because that right side was opening up some holes to you. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really impressive to see what they were able to do because, yeah, you just didn't know. I mean, we had been giving the O-line flowers, and particularly we highlighted Elijah Wilkinson last week. And then when we got that news that he was a scratch, yes, there was a a bit of a concern there on whether or not (laughs) the Atlanta area native Kobe Gossett was was going to be able to come in and make something happen. And, hey, when you get to stand pat, like you said, I was looking – and just so pleased to see holes opening because what that spoke, and we'll talk about what that really means in a minute, but before we kind of go there, I want to talk as well about the obvious, which Mm. is you finally let KP do KP things. And it was a beautiful thing to see because it was not that it's not about a touchdown, but the question is how do you have a unicorn and you're not letting the unicorn do unicorn things? And every time he had an opportunity to do unicorn things, he did it. He did it. So it was great to see him get, uh, you know, five catches, 87 yards. And those five catches were on seven, was, excuse me, eight targets. So that's the other piece I like. You don't have to give him double digit targets for him to give you that much productivity. So I hope this is the beginning of what we're going to see in how the Falcons utilize KP properly. And you know what? I think it was more. It was more so of a. I mean, of course, oh, what you just said no doubt. It was. It was. A, it was definitely that. And I think that you know a matchup thing too. When you think about Jamal Adams not being in on back end of that defense and them having a guy in Tariq Woolen who you know was a mid round pick and he him as a rookie starting and guys like Michael Jackson who you never heard of. You're like, dang, Michael Jackson got a son playing in the NFL? No, uh, that was just his name. He just so happened to be named Michael Jackson. So. I think taking advantage of the matchups that, you know, I think Arthur, that came into play as well. Not mm-hmm. necess- I mean, you know, Arthur Smith has definitely revealed to us in his own way that he does listen to what's going on outside that, that those, those four walls in Flowery Branch. And, and, I, and I get it, and I, I'm sure he does get it as well. But I think that for him to be able to say, look at what they were facing up, up against and saying, you know what, it's a huge opportunity for me to go ahead and get my tight end, the guy that y'all took fourth overall in the 2021 NFL draft, get him involved early, and then, hey, I'm going to let my guys, other guys, eat as well. Alameda Zacchaeus, Drake London, all of those guys, you know, getting in the end zone and making it easy for the, court, the quarterback. You know, easy for me because that's the key in this offense and I didn't deal the Falcons. Make things easy for Marcus where he doesn't have to win the game for you at the end and – and that's exactly what ended up happening out there in the uh, at Lumen Field at Seattle. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. It was it was a close call when they did actually put it in his hands late, but thank goodness Lord. there were some there was some cover up there. But going back to what I was saying about Marcus Mariota as it relates to KP, mm-hmm. when he when he is and when he was double covered, it was just a situation where you could tell that there was a discomfort. Like Marcus Mariota right. just did not seem to be comfortable threading that needle. Right. And yeah. last Last night's game, I think, was the first time where we maybe kind of sort of saw him get a little bit more comfortable. So I do think as he gets just a bit more comfortable in that pocket and being able to quickly, quickly release the ball, (laughs) find your guy. And before the double team can actually even get set, he's set because KP is going to be where he's supposed to be. So it's really on Marcus Mariota to continue to find ways to be a little more confident like he was yesterday and just thread the needle or throw it up high and and let your guy catch it, throw it on his back, just do whatever you can. So I think that's the most important thing. So when we come back, we're going to talk about some really cool things in For the Culture because, man, it's their anniversary. But I also want to tell you guys about Coffee AM. So with Coffee AM, is that one thing that can get you going. Now, today, you probably didn't need it because right. one. won. Yes. But on other days, maybe Georgia Tech fans might need it Tuesday morning because yes. they might be sad. I don't know. Maybe they're happy. <laughs> but for those who actually might be a little bit sad, Coffee AM can be a great perk up for you. It is locally owned and operated. It is the company that takes pride in the quality of their product to the point where they literally go all around the world to get the right coffee to roast for you. They are the best small batch roaster in this country. And literally, when you make that order, when you place your order, it's fresh, fresh, and more fresh. It's coffee that's going to be made on the spot or not far removed from the day that you ordered. And speaking of ordering, you can go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on. And that first order is 15% off. And who minds 15% off of anything, especially in this economy. So you can get coffee. You can get tea if you're like me. Some green tea will do you good. And also, if you want to share the riches of Coffee AM, then get yourself a gift set. Again, that is coffeeam.com backslash locked on for your 15% off on your first order. And yes, let's talk about an anniversary and for the culture. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. I want to just say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We really appreciate you. We appreciate you for downloading us wherever you get your podcast, And also, make sure you leave us a five-star review if you haven't done so already. We've seen those bad boys. We really appreciate you for that. Help spread the word about the good greatness. The good greatness. Yes, I said that. On, on Locked On Sports Atlanta, right here on ATL Day Ones. But T... This is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. Sometimes whatever we want to talk about, because that's how we get down on this show. Today is no different because it's been 35 years since Different World aired and brought us to life. And when you talk about just the effect as those two shows, and I'm going to go ahead and throw the Cosby show in there as well, because sure. that was a yeah. spinoff of that. Spin-off it, right. I, I think that, you know, the effect of them, Bill Cosby, uh, wearing the, the HBCUs, always being painted around, and then just a positive image of a, of a black couple, of, you know, a doctor and a lawyer, you know what I mean? Like, just a positive family image that it gave, and, you know, for them to kind of move on and to see them grow up on the different world. 
you know, like, I just think that it is absolutely cool just to see, you know, Jasmine Guy and Kadeem Hardison just out here talking. That I saw an interview that they did on uh, The Breakfast Club just to see them talking about and reflecting back on the impact that they had on the African-American community. I just absolutely love it. Yes, because that's the other piece. Like you said, the Cosby Show started it because the thing that people would say all the time was, wow, it was showing a doctor and a lawyer in the same family and they're black. And yeah. I know mm-hmm. people like me, I was like, I know those people. Like, that's not foreign to me. But that was yeah. foreign to a lot of people, people in America. Yes. And so it really opened it up to show you, and no offense, of course, but to show you that, no, we're not all good times. And good times did have a lot of positives, don't get me wrong. But no not all yeah. families have, black families have that trajectory. Um, and so I, I just thought it was like a nice juxtaposition. And then you send all your kids off to college. college Every last yeah. one of them goes to yep. college. And the first one to go for what we saw, because when Sandra came aboard, she had already, you know, finished with college. But the first one that we saw actually go off went to a black school and showed what I like to call the original for the culture. Because (laughs) that was where the culture was really introduced. Everything they did, everything they said made perfect sense. We all on our campuses, Albany State, I'm sure, Xavier, we all had our version of the pit. And we all had our patio shows, our step shows. That was a thing. You know, we all had the, the, the gorgeous girl who came on campus and was like so bougie and untouchable yeah. and goofy guy. Yes. And they end up together. And, and in the beginning, everybody on our campus is like, man, you can't that happen. Marrying her? Like, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there were just so many elements that each of us can talk about that totally resonate. And that's why I think it was so powerful and is so powerful because so many kids back then said, hey, A, that's what sent me to college and B, that's what sent me to an HBCU. But what I love is there are a couple of pages on Instagram that I follow and one of them did like a compilation video. And then I think I did a one-on-one video for one of them as well. But I went to check out the compilation video and one young lady said something that I thought was really powerful. She said, I may not have gone to an HBCU. I ended up going to a PWI. She Mm -hmm. said, however, the reason I went to college is still a different world. And I said, that's the ticket because the enrollment for HBCU spiked. That was very much noted from that show. But I would imagine maybe if you didn't go to an HBCU, but what if you were still the first in your family to go to college, like Lena James was in that last season. So Mm -hmm. many different elements that all of us could just relate to. And it's funny because I think initially, you know, Whitley, Gilbert, Wayne, and and Dwayne Wayne, the actress Kadeem Hardison and Jasmine Guy were like, let us live. We just want to be Jasmine and, you know, Kadeem and just be actors and do something other than be Whitley and Dwayne until they figured out how much they meant to us. And that takes nothing yes. away from, you know, even Kimberly Reese. I know for me, seeing that brown girl be like just focused on, but also right. talking about the issue of colorism and explaining to her boyfriend at the time, Ron Johnson, what her life was like right. in that space. So just some beautiful things there uh, that I saw that kind of resonate today. And I think we're going to have um, Charnell Brown and Daryl M. Bell on our campus. They're, they're our grand marshals for our, our homecoming parade. And I just can't wait to tell them. Like, nice. I cannot wait yes. to give them their flowers. No doubt about it. And just one little quick nugget before we talk about the Hawks. Now, 
I found this out. I was watching Uncensored with Jaleel White. Absolutely amazing. I, I suggest yeah, you check it out. Yeah. And he was up for the position to uh, to be on the Cosby show. Yeah. It was between yeah. he and Keisha Knight Pulliam, Rudy, you know, Rudy Huxbull. And I was just mm -hmm. like, like, I don't even know what that would have looked like. But when you think about like what he did with Family Matters and, and like that show wasn't meant for him to be the star of the show because that's mm -hmm. what it was. He was a star of the show. And yeah. just for... It, it would have been very interesting to see how that would have played out. But T, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you know, when you think about the impact of both of those shows and yeah. for yeah. them to here we are talking about them th 35 years later and talking about HBCU's attended spikes and like like the network that approved that show. They had no clue what they were getting themselves into at when all. when they, at all what they what they were doing. And I think that. We're thankful though for what the what happened, the benefit, how we were able to benefit from it as well. So that's why we but, act like season one never happened because season yes. two is really where that show started. And like yes. you said, NBC wasn't ready for seasons two through six, but thank you. Yes, we appreciate you, um, forever and all. And last but not least, but before we get out of here, T, the the Hawks got a chance to start training camp, and I don't know about you, but like I am super uber duper uber excited excited about. DeJounte Murray coming to this squad and Nate McMillan seemingly just glowing at the press conference because he's talking about all the great attributes that DeJounte Murray has. And one that it just seemed like he just had a giddy face on is when he was talking about how he's going to be able to play defense this year for him. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. You know, that's like, oh, man, that's like Christmas in July for Nate McMillan. Yes, like, yes, Lord. For real, for real. Yes, but, need all of that. <laughs> exactly. But I do like the fact that it seems like the cohesion is there and I mm -hmm. do believe, I feel like they understand the assignment this time. Yes. They know that they, they know it, they were wrong. They know they jacked it up last season. It was right. nobody's fault, but theirs. And so they know on the flip side that this is an opportunity for them to right the ship. So I feel like everybody's gone back in the lab individually before they even came together collectively and worked on whatever. It could be, you know, Trey Young and his off-ball play. It could be DeJounte Murray learning how to gel with that starting five. It could be DeAndre Hunter uh, learning just to finish and just to be, a you know, his conditioning has been also an important thing for him this season. And um, it just everybody, I think, on that entire squad understanding you've got to You've got to take it up a notch individually if you want to compete in the Eastern Conference. So I know we'll have more days to talk about them as they go yes, through Lord. training camp before they head to Abu Dhabi. I cannot wait. I know you cannot wait. And we also cannot wait to talk to you guys tomorrow about hopefully a Braves win in the first game of that series in D.C. Also, of course, we're going to talk more Falcons because we still have some things to break down about that game as we get ready to watch them take on the Browns next week. And of course any and everything that you do should also start first with us here at atl day ones the second thing is hitting hard with john shuckery and don't forget you can catch us on amazon fire roku i mean this is pretty cool so no excuse yeah and you know what you can do go out and get yourself a pancake on national pancake day and watch us okay enjoy yourselves we'll see you tomorrow y'all come back now you hear?